All right, well, I'm excited to start this new series of relationship goals and spend the next couple of weeks talking about our relationships and how they can help us live our best life possible. And so from time to time on social media, there will be a hashtag that goes viral. And when this happens, it's called a trending topic. And one of these trending topics is the hashtag relationship goals. And it's, it's a big one. So a few days ago, I checked on Instagram. Right now, there's over 3 million posts that all use the hashtag relationship goals. And so, what exactly does relationship goals mean? I wanted to give you guys a good answer, so I turned to the most reliable source that I could think of, Urban Dictionary. And here are a few definitions from Urban Dictionary. It says, uh, when two people are in a relationship and people envy them, so relationship goals. Uh, another definition is, a couple who are the best couple out there, they're the power couple, and everyone wants to be like them. Relationship goals. And then my third and favorite definition from Urban Dictionary, OMG, Brenda and Austin are totes relationship goals. So if that doesn't answer the question, not sure what will. Now this often means a romantic couple, but really relationship goals can be for anyone who's in a relationship that is so awesome that it gives the people around them a goal to try to attain in their own relationships. And so I thought of some examples to help us understand. Uh, relationship goals are maybe a power couple like Steph and Aisha Curry, right? Uh, relationship goals are friends like Joey and Chandler. <laughs> you see what I did there? Friends like, never mind. All right. Co-workers like Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson are, of course, possibly the greatest relationship goals of all time, Jim and Pam Halpert. Now, most of these people are fictional, but we all want these amazing relationships. We want what these people have. And so how do we build relationships that are so strong that we can actually be relationship goals for the people around us. So that's the question we're gonna to try to answer today in a talk called Patch Things Up. You guys pray with me. God, we thank you for the people in our lives. We thank you for relationships and for putting us here on earth. God, we ask that you would speak to us today. God, speak to our hearts exactly what we need to hear. And God, we just love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to talk about relationships today, but we're going to start in kind of a strange place, all right? So right now, I would like to talk about my pants. Now, this is why everyone in my life who loves me, everyone who really cares about me in this world, hates these pants. They beg me to get rid of them. I like them, but to be honest, I do get it. These pants are destroyed beyond repair. They're unsalvageable. They could never be a normal pair of jeans again. It's not like I can just patch these bad boys up. And so as I was preparing this talk, strangely enough, I thought about these pants because I believe that many of us are in relationships that are very similar. We're in relationships that are seemingly destroyed beyond repair, that, that are showing people all the worst parts of us, that are unsalvageable. Much like these pants, some of you are in relationships where everyone who loves you is begging you to get rid of them. And so how do our relationships get to this point? 
You know, we all dream about having the perfect marriage, about having lifelong friends and fun co-workers and family members that we love to be around. These are all relationship goals. But it often doesn't work out that way. We can look around and see that marriages are failing, that friends are often more drama than they are enjoyable. Coworkers become a necessary annoyance to drawing a paycheck, and even our closest relatives can become estranged. And so, forget about relationship goals. Some days, it seems impossible to be in relationships at all. All of the conflict and arguing and drama and silent treatment and passive aggressiveness and he said, she said. Then there's the jealousy and the cheating and the unrealistic expectations, the lying, the hurtful words, the shame, the depression, the deception. It seems out of control. So there's all this negativity going on over here, but at the exact same time, we are hardwired to be in relationships with other people. So Dr. Alan Shore, a neuroscientist at UCLA, says that all humans are born to form attachments. Our brains are physically wired to develop in tandem with another's through emotional communication, even before words are ever spoken. So when we're so little that we're not even able to communicate, we are still hardwired to desire community and relationships with people around us. And so we're not gonna escape this need for relationships, so what can we do about all of these problems to help us achieve relationship goals? Well, it seems obvious that our culture is not helping us get there. There's so many self-help books and all of the TV talk shows. None of it has solved the problem of broken relationships. And so today we're going to spend some time looking at a biblical perspective on relationships. And you know, we get a really clear picture of God's desire for our relationships right at the beginning of Scripture. After God finished creating the world and everything in it, and he created the first man named Adam. And it didn't take long for God to look at Adam and to realize that it is not good for man to be alone. And so God did something about it. He created a woman named Eve. And Adam and Eve lived together on this new world. And Adam and Eve were the ultimate relationship goals. They actually lived in perfection. There was no sickness, there was no fighting, there was no drama, there was no clothes, like every dude's fantasy, right? (laughs) And this was God's intent for how we are supposed to be in relationship to each other, but God also gave Adam and Eve the gift of free will. And so it wasn't long before Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God. See, God only had one rule. There was a tree, and he said, you can't eat from the fruit of this tree. But one day they were tempted, and they ate the forbidden fruit. And so I want you to listen to what happens when God calls Adam out on his disobedience. And so God asked Adam, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And then Adam says, okay, this woman who you put me here with, she gave me some of the fruit, and then I ate some. 
Adam throwed Eve under the bus so quickly, he didn't even use her name. He just said, this woman that you, everyone who's a parent in here has experienced this at some point. You've come home and somehow between the time you left and the time you got back, your kids have been so bad that they are now your kids. You show up and your spouse says, you will not believe what your son did today. Like, when did I become the soul? So this is exactly what Adam did in that moment. He deflected the blame, he put it on Eve, he put it on God. And this is significant because in the history of the world, this was the first relational conflict. And it was almost like there was this tiny hole that started in the fabric of Adam and Eve's relationship. And, and that small hole has continued to unravel throughout the ages. And it didn't take long to see the effect. Some of you may know that Adam and Eve had two sons named Cain and Abel. And one day in a, a jealous rage, Cain killed his brother. Think of the implications of that. In one generation, we moved from perfection and peace all the way to intentional, cold-blooded murder. So this is our historical heritage and relational conflicts throughout time have divided kingdoms, wiped out populations of people. They've started wars. They're destroying the family structure. They're giving people an excuse to hate other people based on things like the color of their skin. It's all about relationships. And so that's why 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus to the earth. See, Jesus was our only hope to find a new way of doing relationships, a new way to reach true relationship goals. And so one day, someone asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And this was his response. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now the word that translates neighbor there is simply the people around you, the people you have contact with, the people that you are connected to in your everyday flow of life. You have to love the people who are around you. And if you're gonna love the people around you, you have to be in a relationship at some level. And so Jesus is saying that relationships are so important to him that they're second in priority only to loving God himself. That's the magnitude of what relationships are supposed to be in our lives. But many of us here today are already in broken relationships. We've already screwed up. We're already hurting. We're already suffering. And so how can we start from where we already are to begin working on our relationships? So one day Jesus was talking to people about what it meant to be in relationship with him and in the course of talking about this, he used this short illustration that gets right to the heart of how we can start fixing our broken relationships. In Matthew 9, he said, who would patch old clothing with a new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. Jesus is talking about old clothes and new patches. 
And you see, when he said this illustration 2,000 years ago, everyone immediately got it. You see, back in the day when you got a hole in your clothes, you obviously couldn't go down to Walmart and replace them. You had to patch it. But everyone knew that putting a new, unshrunk patch on an old piece of clothing was a big-time rookie mistake. Because after a few times of washing and drying that garment, what was going to happen is the patch would shrink. And instead of fixing the hole, eventually it would tear away from the fabric and create an even bigger hole. What was supposed to fix the problem has actually now created a larger problem. And I want to suggest that this is where we get in trouble in our relationships. Because when things go wrong, our natural inclination is to patch things up. And it makes sense because it's the easiest route. It's a quick fix. It's a common phrase, patch things up. Your wife is mad, patch things up. Your kids are fighting, patch things up. Don't get along with your coworker, patch things up. But is patching things up really working for us? You see, what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter nine is that when trouble comes in your relationships, you can't simply patch over all of these problems. You can't patch over every conflict, every difference of opinion, every misunderstanding. Jesus was saying that you have to start making something new. It's not about patching something up, it's about making something new. And so I wanna give an example that's very common, which is divorce. Divorce has become very common in our society. And I'm not sure if you know this, but on the vast majority of divorce filings, the reason given is irreconcilable differences. Now. There are times and there are circumstances where that is absolutely true and uh, there are things that are beyond our control and, and we're not talking about that. For the majority of those cases though, what, what is an irreconcilable difference at the time of filing for divorce, at some point in the relationship was a reconcilable difference. It was a fight. It was real, it felt bad, it was a difference of opinion. You didn't like how he disciplined the kids and he didn't like that you always stayed at Margarita Tuesdays with the girls and you didn't like how he talked to his secretary and he didn't feel respected from work and what happens is you get all of these little holes in the fabric of your marriage and our natural inclination is just to patch them up. It's so much easier. But eventually, those patches cannot bear the weight of your problems, and they give way and they leave a larger hole. And so we patch those up, and the fights get worse, and the problems get bigger. And so we patch them up, and we patch them up, and eventually, the problem has grown so large that it is irreconcilable. And I realize that a lot of us are living there. And that's very real. And that it hurts. And that it causes depression and anxiety. You see, Jesus came as an example for how we can start fixing these broken relationships. Jesus' job on earth was to connect us into a new relationship with God, something the world had never experienced before. And what he was telling them in Matthew 9 is, you need to understand, 
I didn't come to simply be a patch that you put on the holes in your current religion. I came to do something new. This isn't about 10 more prayers or two more sacrifices or a list of rules. This is a new way of looking at relationships. And what Jesus said and what he proved with his life is that he would work however hard he had to work in order to fix what was broken. And he proved it by dying on a cross. He proved it with his life. And so I want you to know that we care. I care that you're hurting. But I also want to tell you that there is hope for your relationships. That you can affect change in your relationships. But you're going to have to stop patching everything up. And you're going to have to start making something new. So the question is, how do I do that? How do we start making things new in our relationships? So here at City Church, we believe that it has to start with humility. Humility comes from discovering and being able to tell your story. And not a big 10,000 foot overview of your story, but getting into the layers of your story, getting down into the hard parts of your story. And I understand that that's terrifying for some people. And I understand that it's uncomfortable. And I understand that, especially as men, we don't feel like anyone needs to know about our story. But if we want to achieve relationship goals, if we want to start to fix what is broken, we have to get humility. So here at City Church, we do that on Tuesday nights at our H2O recovery program. If you guys have been coming here for any length of time, you've heard us say from the stage over and over again that everyone is in need of recovery. And today's talk is a great example why. Because if you want to achieve relationship goals in your relationships, then you have to have humility. And if you want true humility, then you have to discover and tell your story. And if you discover your story, you're also going to discover some big time core issues in your life. And if you want to handle those core issues in a healthy way, you need to be in a recovery process. You see, when you begin to discover your story, it cre creates humility because you start realizing things about yourself that will absolutely amaze you. You start realizing that there is a lot of crap deep down that is causing the relational cycles that you can't seem to understand. It'll give you a perspective on the people who are around you and the people that you can't stand and the people that you're always in conflict with. It'll give you more empathy and more love towards them because it's instilling a deep-rooted humility inside of you. And so here's the deal, if you're ready to quit living in these crappy relationships, you'll do something about it. You'll come on Tuesday night and you'll get involved in a program, or if that doesn't work for your schedule, you'll find someone else to talk to, or you'll go to a Christian counselor, you'll start reading some books, you'll start actually going through healthy fights and communicating with those you're in relationships with and getting some solutions. You'll quit simply patching things up because it's not working for us. And City Church is the place to do it. We know that it's scary, but I promise that this is the place for anyone who is jacked up, anyone who knows that they're angry or addicted or confused. This is the place for the rich or the poor. This is the place for everyone to come. We're 6,000 people who all realize that we're jacked up. 
But we're going to tell our story and we're going to begin to fix what is broken inside of us. And so I want to close today with a personal story. Like real personal. I want to tell you about the last time that I got dumped. Katie and I had been seriously dating for around a year. Uh, we were very serious. I mean, we had talked a lot about marriage. We were spending all of our time together, and things, things seemed really good. Now, pretty often I would kind of cause these fights in our relationships. We definitely didn't have perfect relationship. I would cause these fights, and they were bad, and they were uncomfortable, and, and she'd get angry, and I'd get angry, but... Man, I was great at patching things up, all right? Like, we would hit the movies, we'd go out to dinner. If I really screwed up, I'd write a song. Like, I could patch things up. And it worked. I really believed it worked. And then after a year of dating, she dumped me. And I can't even tell you how shocked I was. In my mind, I had done nothing wrong. I was angry and I was confused. But I thought... I'll just patch this up. I'll fix it. But I couldn't. Because she was done patching things up. She was ready for something new. And so the next nine months uh, were the hardest, hardest months of my life. My emotions were all over the place, all out of whack. I was a mess. And so I found someone to talk to. And I started meeting regularly, once a week, and then sometimes twice a week if I could get in. And, and I started telling my story. And this was, this was the first time I had been through any kind of a recovery process. And as I told my story, I realized that there was some ugly stuff in there. I started realizing that I had some, some core issues you know, I remembered in our relationship, Katie complaining pretty often about my jealousy, but to me it wasn't a very big deal. And then I realized I had this core issue of fear, fear of failure, fear of letting people down. And most of all, at that point in my life, I had a fear of losing Katie. And that fear drove me to insane jealousy that looking back on my story, I could see so clearly you know, it's hard to explain, and it really is. It's just hard to get if you've never been through that kind of a process. If you've never told your story, you just have to take my word for it because when I opened up my story and when I got honest with God about the dark places in my life, he did something amazing in me. He started rebuilding me from the inside out. And this wasn't about patching things up. God was creating something new inside of me. And so after nine months, I asked Katie if we could meet. And amazingly, she agreed. And so I sat down and I told her things were different. I told her I was still in love with her. And then for over an hour without any repeats, I apologized. I apologized for all of the times that my jealousy had hurt her and had hurt our relationship. And that was it. That's all I knew how to do. Now, Katie was skeptical and she had every right to be, but over time, I was able to prove to her that this wasn't me coming in trying to patch things up again. This was something new. 
And one year after that apology, Katie and I got married. And you know, the thing about relationships is it doesn't matter the amount of love. The amount of love I had for Katie never changed. It doesn't matter how bad you want it. It's about how hard you're willing to work at it. We have to stop patching things up and start making something new. And so when you guys came in today, uh, you got a patch, a simple patch. Here's what I want to ask. I want this patch to be a reminder throughout this week. Keep it in your pocket, keep it in your purse or in your billfold. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray intentionally that God will show you the areas in your relationships where you have been patching things up. And when God reveals that to you, then it's up to you to start making something new. Let me pray for y'all. God, we thank you for Jesus and for his example. God, that he came down and he showed us that we don't have to be okay with broken relationships. God, that we can do our part with what's in our control and what's in our power, God. We can choose the right things to go beyond simply patching things up in our relationships, God, to humble ourselves, to do the hard work that makes relationships worth it. God, I pray for City Church, for every person watching here and watching online. God, that this week you would reveal to them the areas in their relationships where they're patching things up, and God, you would get them on a path to start making things new. We thank you for loving us. God, we thank you for saving us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.